Hi everyone, this is Vintage Girl with a Bow. I am your host, BB. With me this afternoon is Pastor Dr. Pam Powell from Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much, uh, Melissa. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come before your throne in the ominous manner. We know how. We come to bless you. We come to honor you. We come to glorify you and we come to magnify you. But this is the day that you have made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, Father God, we ask you to please, Lord, forgive us for all of our many sins, our transgressions and all of our iniquities. We ask that you would create in us a clean heart. And God, we just bless our friend, Melissa, right now, God, as she moved forward in Vintage Girl with the Bow. Because she's all about your work, God. So we just bless her from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. And Lord, we bless this country and the world. And we pray that you will heal the land. And we just thank you for the opportunity to allow me to be on this program to inject a dose of hope to the world. We will be careful, Lord, to give you the praises, to give you the glory, to give you the honor. In the mighty and marvelous and majestic name of Jesus, all the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Pastor, it is my delight to have you here with me this evening. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm known as uh, Dr. Pam Powell, the P Factor, AKA the Hope Doctor, and uh, known as the Queen of Bling, Orlando's Oprah, and all of that stuff. But my whole mission in life god has given me a purpose and his purpose for me is to inject hope by any means necessary my platforms uh i work as a national television syndicated talk show host where my television show has aired in millions of households i've been a radio host where my shows have reached millions of households i'm a preacher uh ordained minister of the gospel serve on the ministerial staff at the St. Mark AME Church, evangelist. I travel uh, speaking and I'm a motivational speaker. I'm an author of several books. I model, uh, I do life coaching. I'm pretty much the hope doctor and I give God the praises for all that he has done. And I'm so honored that you would allow me to be a guest on your show. Tell me a little about your ministry as a pastor and a pastor's wife. Well, to be perfectly honest with you, Melissa, I lost my husband last year. Uh, we have been married for 34 years. We're just a few months away from celebrating our 35th wedding anniversary. And my husband had an aneurysm on his heart and just totally suddenly died unexpectedly. Uh, and so I am now uh, no longer married. I'm what you consider a widow. Uh, but again, I know that uh, when things happen in life, we have to go about doing what God has called us to do, no matter what the situation may be. Because when we think about First Thessalonians, uh, you know, and we look at uh, the fourth, uh, as they say, the fourth chapter, the 13th verse, it talks about brothers and sisters we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve 
like those, like the mankind who has no hope. So I know that my husband will want me to be able to take my ministry to another level of hope because we know that weeping may endure for a night, but joy certainly comes in the morning. So I am just uh, excited about what God is doing in my life. Of course, it has been uh, a tremendous, um, what I call has been tremendous pain in my life for the loss of my king. He was my Boaz. He was my everything. He was the sweet in my tea, the cool in my Kool-Aid, the pot lifting my collard greens. Uh, as I say, the T-bone in my steak. He was everything. He was a man of God. Uh, he certainly understood the vows of how you treat your wife as the scripture commands us. And that, you know, to those that are married, it is very important uh, that you follow these rules and you will have a great marriage because it says uh, in Ephesians 5 at the 25th uh, verse, it talks about husbands love your wife. That's right. Just as Christ loved the church then gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. So the bottom line is God blessed me with a great husband, uh, very faithful to me, very loving to me, no infidelity, which is 50% uh, of marriages are ending in divorce now. Uh, a lot to do with infidelity, but we never had infidelity in our marriage. Whatever situations came uh, in our marriage, we were able to, with the help of God and prayer, we were able to hold our marriage together through all kinds of weather. So I Let thank me God. personally express my condolences to you. It has passed my heart you know, griefs for you, and I hope that you have weathered the storm. However, all those years that you have stayed in this marriage and as a pastor's wife, I greatly would appreciate if you would share to me and the world, how did you keep it together so nicely? Um, what can you share to those um, people who are married, who maybe are having problems or having little tips here and there? What can you do to allow them to spice theirs up? Absolutely. In fact, uh, Dr. Uh, Melissa, I, uh, you know, when you have pain in your life, uh, you go from pain to purpose. And I'm also a breast cancer survivor. And after coming out of breast cancer, I was able to come up with what I call the P-factor principles of overcoming any obstacle in your life. So most recently, when I went from pain, and of course, I still have pain. Uh, I don't think when you lose your husband or your spouse and you all had a loving relationship, that pain still lingers. Uh, it's not as bad as it is initially when the person dies, but of course, that pain, that broken heart still remains because the two of you are one, and now you know that other half of you has gone on. But uh, through my pain, to help me get through my gr grief, I wrote a book. And the book is entitled, How to Make a True Love Story That Never Ends. So I think no matter what someone goes through in their life, whatever it could be, once God brings them out and delivers them out, 
then we need to go and give a testimony about what he has done. And what God did for me after being married before, in my, this was my second marriage. And 34 years, God gave me a loving husband that we had a great marriage. We kept our home fires burning. Every day was like a day for us. So I was able to take the pain through the pain to start writing a book to carry the legacy of my husband of how men and women should be in their marriage. This book is designed to help couples uh, that are married to work on their relationships uh, and those that want to get married to know what a real relationship is all about. How do we keep our marriage going? Well, number one, we love the Lord. And we took our vows absolutely serious. So we know both of us have been married before for short periods of time. So when we came together, we said there's not going to be any other marriage. This is us. We're going to commit. And I think one of the first keys in it, and I talk about in my book, is communication. You have to communicate with each other. You have to talk about the things that are going on great in your marriage, and you have to communicate about things that maybe not be so great so that you can discuss it and go ahead and heal the situation. I mean, we prayed together. You know, we love the Lord together. We went to church together, you know, and I believe that that has a lot to do with it, is making sure Christ is first in your life. As I mentioned, we dated each other. We never saw it as you know, a long marriage. We saw it as a date. Every five years, we would marry again, have another wedding, uh, just to renew our vows and so forth and so on. So we would celebrate the sanctity of marriage. In fact, the last time we remarried, uh, prior to his death five years before, we actually invited couples to join us to celebrate. So many people are not celebrating marriage anymore. Thank you so much for that, Pastor. I hope it is a message that the world will endorse, and especially for our churches. Remember, I, I, Christ says marriage is the anchor of the church. And if all of these things can be reinvented back into our church, our church marriages would not be so broken down. Presently, we have a failed system in our church churches where marriage is concerned. Do you really believe that there should be seminars really introducing couples to spice their marriage up, you know, giving them, you know, retreat for couples, like you said earlier, that you guys go on dates every, you know, every day or every night? What are some of the great attributes that the church can implement that will keep marriages together? Absolutely. I think that uh, the promotion of love and marriage is great. I think showcasing couples that have been together for years and allowing conferences and seminars where they can talk and talk about what kept them together. In fact, that is one of the things that I'm working on right now. I know that we have the pandemic going on, but I was just getting ready to start doing a book tour 
where I would go to various churches and hold conferences and seminars and let couples that are married also engage as to what they think that has kept them together through all kind of weathers. So I think that we can put more emphasis on that. I think we can preach more about the importance of marriage uh, in the church, uh, letting people know that God ordained that. You know, God, you know, gave Adam Eve for that actual purpose. I think the uh, promotion of it, and I think dealing with why most marriages end in divorce. A lot of marriages end in divorce, number one, infidelity. Then you got uh, money issues uh, that go on, you know, that people can't deal with. A lot of people lose interest in each other. A lot of people don't, you know, carry the flair of romance anymore in their marriage. Uh, sometimes there are children issues in the marriage. And I think that if we begin to present more of the word of God in teaching that, and, and having special classes, even if it's once a month, and celebrating marriage. We're not celebrating marriage in America anymore. It's like marriage has been put on the wayside as something that's old-fashioned. But the Bible never changes. Whatever the Word of God says about marriage is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I really, truly believe that if we put more emphasis on that, that's why we got married every five years. It wasn't just about us getting a new honeymoon, but it was about to celebrate marriage and let people know that marriage is one of the greatest institutions that God created. Thank you so much. Well, nicely put, Pastor. And it brings me now to a very um, heart-rending um, topic. Domestic violence in our churches. I mean, it is hidden from the, 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 the members. It is hidden from the outside. But our church is damaged because of domestic violence. I want you to use this platform. Awake the people who are unlearned. Bring us to a place of safety where you can tell us what you can tell us about domestic violence, how bad it is in our churches. Well, to be perfectly honest, if you look at the statistics, Melissa, 12 million people in America are abused yearly. One out of every uh, uh, as they would say, 10 men are abused. Three out of every 10 women are being abused every 24 minutes. So obviously it's going on in the church and it's like, it's this hidden secret. I believe that there, that there should be a greater conversation. I mean, just two weeks ago near me in my area, a prophet murdered his wife, shot her dead in front of her employment, in front of her employer's office. I mean, can you imagine a husband killing his wife? I talked to a lot of people and they are going through. I talked to ministers who actually say they're being abused. I talked to one lady who told me just a week or so ago that, you know, her husband would lay in bed with the gun between them, uh, that he would pistol with her. And, and if she tried to leave it or want to go tell other people, she was too afraid because, you know, he could murder the family members, murder the pet, 
you know, murder her and all of that. So I think that a lot of people are living in fear. Uh, a lot of people are living in embarrassment of it. They don't want to tell anybody. And they are just living in a, in a psychosis. Some people, uh, you know, uh, have a syndrome where they just uh, stay with that abuser. But God makes a way for us to escape anything. There's no temptation as yet is common to man that God will not allow us to escape. So it is very, very bad. And I just believe that people should get with their pastors or whatever when that's going on in their marriages and, and talk to them and seek counseling. And if they're not comfortable going to their pastor, then they need to seek counseling on the outside. And if it's something that they fear that bad and they think they could be murdered, then they need to call the domestic abuse hotline or so forth or run and, and seek shelter, even if it means changing their identity. I mean, some people, uh, you know, that are abusing others will do everything they can to control you in a situation. I mean, abuse is not just hitting and knocking and giving someone a black eye and beating them up. It's also in the conversation. There are a lot of uh, men and women where abuse is going on, where that spouse is talking down to them, uh, using profanity, calling them out of their name, you know, uh, calling them W-H-O-R-E, you know, using the B word and all kinds of things and making their self-esteem get so low that they begin to feel like they're nothing or nobody, but all I got to say is God didn't make any junk. You know, we're all, as they say, a royal priest to the chosen generation of chosen people. So no one should really stay in any relationship where abuse is going on unless you have gone to God and, and ask God for forgiveness and begin to change your life because abusing other people is certainly not of God. And it's definitely going on in the church, and we need to begin to make sure we cancel the culture of abuse in America. Is there anything that we can do to awake the senses, something that can be done to let others know that these things are happening? A lot of people are suffering in silence because they don't want to tell. Well, I think uh, the, the reason that a lot of them suffer in silence is because of fear. Uh, you know, uh, the fear word, false evidence appearing real. Some people basically need that income from that other partner. So a lot of times they don't want to leave because they fear that. I used to counsel with a lot of uh, women, especially that were abused, and they were finally able to get out, but they had to learn how to tradition and live on their own again. And so uh, that's a very hard situation unless that person has just made a decision. I mean, it's like you got to make your mind up that either you're not going to deal with it anymore or you're going to just continue to live it out for the rest of your life. You know, money doesn't mean everything. If someone is killing your self-esteem, if someone is hurting you and abusing you, and you need to seek that counseling with that individual, and if that doesn't work, then you need to figure out a way how you can leave that so for the rest of your life, you don't live in misery. I know of a couple where uh, the husband cheated on her, 
for 50 years. Uh, you know, he abused her. He, he beat her up and all of that. And then in her older age, she had gotten so accustomed to it that that was just what she felt was her way of life. Eventually, she ended up getting cancer and all of that and dying. And, and that was a sad situation because she lived out the rest of her life you know, uh, I'm asking, where was your faith? Where was your trust in God that, that he would make a way? Because the scripture says, uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So my whole thing, the red flags, the red flags, if someone is abusing me and they won't stop, then I already know I got to make an exit, but I believe enough in God to know that God is going to bring me out. Some people just don't trust God enough. But if we can't trust God, who can we trust? Man is not God. We cannot see our spouses as God. We have to go to God in prayer. Ask him to fix it. Ask him to mend it. The family that prays together, stays together. Pray about it. And after a while, if it's not going to work, then you got to seek God's help and giving you an escape plan so you can escape that and not be caught up in that situation any longer. Well, number one, we know that our source comes from God. I mean, people right now are lonely. A lot of people are in pain. There's a lot of couples having issues because of this isolation with COVID-19 that they're not used to being around each other that much, and that's caused for a lot of problems. People are depressed. Uh, you know, people are going through a lot of death in their families with the COVID-19. People are just dealing with so much right now. People are sick in hospitals. People are scared. People just don't know what's going to happen next. But see, I, I talk about the seven principles of overcoming any obstacle. You know, I tell people, I've gone through all kinds of situations. I've been broke, busted, and disgusted. I robbed Peter to pay Paul, and they both ran out of money. I've been lied on, you know, hated on, you know. But I know that God will show me how to get it on. And so one thing I teach them uh, are seven principles of winning in any situation, whether it be domestic abuse. Uh, whether it be depression, whatever, whether you feel like you're about to give up, suicides are on the rise. Number one, I call it the P factor principle one, you got to be positive. You got to remember in the Bible that as a man or woman thinketh in his heart, so is he. And you got to remember, nobody's problems was as bad as Job. Job had all kinds of issues. You know, Job was a rich man. Job lost everything he had. Job got sick. That's right. His friends talking about him. Come on now. He lost his cattle. You know, he lost all of his possessions. All of his children died. I mean, come on. No one of us can say we had that Job experience. But Job held on to his faith. Even when his friends turned their back on him, they questioned his faith. They questioned what had he done to deserve all of that. But God gave Job a checkup from the neck up. And Job began to say, I'm going to wait till my change come. You can go from 
being a person that don't know God, don't want to be around God, to loving God, to falling in love with Jesus, because all I can say is falling in love with Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, as, as we close today, I just want to tell folk in my seven principles of uh, overcoming obstacles, uh, and, and I explain how to apply each of them, but remember, be positive, be passionate, be persistent, I'm talking about with God. Be patient. Make sure you be prayerful because when you're positive and passionate and persistent and patient and prayerful, you'll be powerful. You have power over your enemy, power over your circumstances, and you will be prosperous. And God said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So all I got to say is this. You know, from the slave ship to the championship, from the outhouse to the White House, from sin ship to Godship, I tell you the day that come what may, I'm not looking back, I'm not turning back, I'm not backing back, I'm not falling back, I'm not crawling back, I'm not slipping back, I'm not sliding back. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. And I'm still praying as I'm onward bound. Lord, plant all of our feet on higher, 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 higher ground. And I'll see all of you at the TOP because I know that's where God wants all of us to be. It's been a blessing to be with you. All I got to say is follow the P factor, be a P factor, and God will take you to the T-O-P. Bless by the way you have ministered to us today. And because of that, I want to say I thank you for your presence here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Before God bless you, my sister. Keep up the vintage girl with B-O-W ministry. And as I say, we spill the tea, the queen, you and the queen, and you're the queen as well, Melissa. We spill the tea. God bless you. And I toast, that's right, God's tea to the people of God. To the people of God. This is Vintage Girl again, one more time, reminding you to join me next time, where we will laugh, share, or even reimagine all the things that we can be. And I ask you, please, not to forget your humanity, your spirituality, or your Christianity, knowing that Christ is always the center of our joy. And without him, we can do nothing.